Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I am co-founder of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions provides very easy to set up lines of credit for small businesses, and I'll be your host for today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast, as I usually am. Uh, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about this line of credit for your organization, uh, please visit our website at fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. So over the last 25 years, I have built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies that have made the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience. And today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Merit Khan from Select Sales Development. Before we get to Merit, I um, just want to talk about our sponsor for today. Our sponsor for today is TMG, also known as Technology Management Group. They, for the last 30 years, have been doing cybersecurity, and they have a variety of not only products, but uh, consulting services. So if you do have an issue uh, with cybersecurity or you're looking to maybe uh, make some improvements to your uh, your plan, please visit them at cyberctrl.net. Again, that's cyberctrl.net. Um, I'd like to welcome Merrick Khan, who is the CEO of Select Sales Development. Um, she is a certified emotional intelligence expert and a published author. She's also a writer, a producer, and a performer of a one-woman inspiring comedy show currently touring the U.S. And she delivers her best uh, she delivers her unique keynote performances for corporate events and association conferences that combine relevant business content wrapped up in a comedy show experience. And what a great way to learn. <laughs> so Merit, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thank you, Stephen. Happy to be here. So we are going to uh, today talk about um, selling cr custom, creative, or complex versus a click here and buy now. And I like this topic and, you know, I'm, I'm sure I, I have a strong hunch where you're going to be headed with this uh, to tell us, you know, a little bit more about this as small business owners. So let's get that out of the way. When, when we kind of talked about this topic uh, or it was introduced to me about the possibility of talking about it, sell custom creator complex versus click here, buy now. Tell us what you mean by that. Well, I think, you know, in today's buying world, uh, customers, clients, prospects are, you know, they have all the information at their fingertips. They want to make quick decisions. We have to help them make the best decisions. But when it comes to complex, creative, or custom solutions, it's important that you realize as a business owner, um, you know, your website is not necessarily designed to complete the sales transaction. That's, it's really about pique somebody's interest, um, you know, answer some initial questions, but most importantly, find some pain and let some people, let your prospective clients know that you understand them. You, you have the expertise to ask them the best questions. And really, you know, the only thing that they could click on is 
to get a conversation going so that a real expert and a solution provider can take them to that next phase. Because um, if you have a complex problem, uh, why in the world would you want to click here by now solution? I completely agree with you. And you are headed where I thought you were going to go with this. I think see, most people, you know, when you're, when you're running a small business or starting a small business, you, you, you just don't get it early on that um, you can't compete on the same playing field as a big, big company. And a big company wants a click here by now type of scenario, right? Uh, they want economies of scale and a small business, um, you know, under 10 million, uh, anything under 20 million is a year, a year is still a small business. Yeah. Um, you, you, you want to show um, you want to charge more, and you want better service, you know? And so like, I'll give you an example, uh, Merit, like, you know, and there's, it, this, this happens throughout, you know, the companies I've had, but, you know, with um, financing solutions that, that I, one of the, com- one of the companies I own now, it, you, uh, we, you, we could easily send out the offer letter to people who qualify, mm-hmm. but, you know, we make sure that we call every client you know, or prospect that qualifies right. because we they want to know they're talking to real people here. Yeah. And that's a competitive advantage versus an algorithm. Absolutely. You know, because yeah, and we, we you know, we want to hear their stories, but we also want them to know, you know, because you know, if you give everybody the option of reading it on your website, you've lost control. Exactly. I always say the website is to pique your interest um, so that you want to have a conversation. And then the conversation is really how we determine whether or not we're a match to do business together. So a couple of things on that. Number one, you know, you mentioned the name of my company is Select Sales Development. We spell it S-E-L-L-E-C-T, not because we don't know how to spell the word select, but we, our philosophy is that we want you to stop selling. We want you to start getting selected. And to be selected by your ideal clients means you have to do transactional things in a relational way. So instead of click here by now, uh, you know, we're going to answer all your questions and you're just going to buy this generic thing. Um, it really speaks to how do you ask the right questions so that your prospects know by virtue of the questions that you ask that you can solve their problems, that you are an expert head and shoulders above the rest. And that's what it means to be selected. It's really about having um, deliberate conversations. Uh, my uh, my predecessor with Select Sales, the woman who founded it, um, a good friend of mine, Amy Hardin, before she passed away, she had talked about, and, and I took over the company, um, she talked about what she called the ABCs of selling. And, you know, most people hear that as like, always be closing. Um, but her version was authentic business conversations. And I think now more than ever, that's what people are craving. That's those the successful small business uh, and entrepreneurs that I have worked with over the course of my 20 plus year careers have really understood that when you have authentic business conversations you are on a completely different playing field than your competition and with competition being more fierce than ever before um, and 
customers having all kinds of access to information at their fingertips in their back pocket, you have to set yourself apart in other ways. And the best way to do that is to ask the best questions um, that really get people thinking differently about their challenges. I mean, there's a lot to be said, what you're talking about too. Like, I think, um, like, hopefully at some point, uh, our listeners are getting to the point where they're not, where they're working on the business and they're not the ones selling or asking questions. So in that case, I know like with one of my other, uh, two of my other companies I had, you know, I was quite often listening in on the calls that my salespeople were doing when they were, you know, okay. And we had a script and they knew what questions to ask. They knew how to handle objections. This is old school, right? I mean, this is really, um, are you, so in other words, what I'm saying is you may know, you know, as the owner of the company, you may know how to handle the, these questions or ask these questions well, but do the people working for you do? Right. Because, you know, that's really obvious. And, uh, and, um, the, you know, the other thing I would say too, like in what you're talking about is when you're a smaller company, you know, you just can't, uh, handle, you know, all the, all the custom, the prospects that come in, you got to know who you can help and who you can help. Right. And that yeah. way you, that way you spend the time with the people that you can help that are good prospects. Yeah. So like, you know, I know that if somebody is, um, under a certain revenue range, I can't help them you know, with the line of credit. So, and we do get back to them via, you know, electronically through email to let them know why they, we can't help them. But um, that leads us to spend time with people that we can. Absolutely. Yeah. If you don't, if you're not clear on who your ideal um, client is, then you're going to waste a lot of time with people that you can't really, you're not built and designed to serve. That leaves them frustrated. It leaves your team frustrated. And it makes it harder to grow in the long term because, you know, people will refer you to people who are kind of like them. So if you're doing business with people who are not your ideal customers, guess who they're going to refer you to? More people who are not your ideal customers. And so it just becomes a never-ending cycle. Um, and I think, you know, you talked in your introduction and, you know, about that, you know, helping companies go to that next big plateau and that 10 million in revenue and beyond. And, you know, that's that's where you're making decisions about the people that you're bringing into your organization. Um, you're organizing things a little bit differently. Um, you're less maybe hands-on. You're more bigger picture, right? There's all these things that changes. Like generally an entrepreneur starts a business because they're very good at what they do. Um, then they f they go through that cycle of, well, it's not good enough to be good at what I do. I have to be really great at getting the business. And so they get themselves educated, but they've got that passion and that hustle because it's their baby, it's their business. So they've got they're bringing some energy to it that a, a team may not have at that same level. But they have to understand that. To your point earlier, you have to make sure that your team, your sales team, your marketing team, your customer service team, all know how to to respond and ask the right questions and all of the the typical sales and marketing conversations are being done properly and, you know, the way that you would do them, but you have to understand what it looks like to be done well. I think the biggest mistake I see is that business owners 
are too quick to hand that off without knowing themselves what it looks like when it's done well. And that's where they get into a problem and they they keep salespeople who aren't performing, they keep them longer because salespeople know the right things to say to, you know, like, oh yeah, this is coming down the pike, blah, blah, blah. But if the business owner doesn't understand how to how to measure and track their progress, how to what behaviors look, you know, they're looking for that lead them to know for certain that somebody's on the right path, that things are moving in the right direction. They're going to be constantly frustrated and constantly uh, snowed, honestly, by silver-tongued salespeople who say the right things and can't do the job. Yeah, yeah. I I, I would add to that too. Is um, I I think one of the things I've seen is you you know small business owners are they'll they'll give very little training, and then they don't they'll, even when they give the training, uh, they don't stay with it under and look under the covers, so to speak, to see what's going on a month later, two months mm-hmm. later, three months. And then by that time, you know, after a while it's too late. And then you look under the, and you're like, Whoa, uh, this isn't being done the way I wanted it to be done. Okay. So, you know, the, the exciting part about uh, a business, most people who started their business, the exciting part is in the beginning when you're coming up with the idea and you are early on in the phase, but the, the real nut and bolts of building a company is an execution and you have to be just so detailed oriented in execution that it's a, it's a very, very different skill set than somebody who just kind of came up with the idea and had, has the initiative to go out and do it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Right. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about when we're talking about custom, um, you know, selling custom creative or complex, you know, that isn't something, something that you can just hire someone from the outside um, and all of a sudden they know everything that, you know, it just takes a lot of development. Um, it does and, take and- development. I think the, the thing that makes it easier. So, um, for example, I've worked with a lot of, um, engineering, manufacturing, distribution companies. I don't have an engineering bone in my body. Like I didn't <laughs> take an engineering class, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I have a, a one of my long-term clients makes, you know, bearings and shafting never heard of it. Didn't like, not in my world, like didn't know anything about it, but it was, I just needed to learn enough about their business, how their process works to be able to bring to them. Here's some very systematic things you can do to elevate your sales conversations, to elevate, to systematize the process to make sure that sales and operations and customer service and ordering are all working together, right? So we made a lot of changes to their CRM system, their onboarding structures. Um, you know, it, it like I can bring that outside perspective of here's how a business development um, arm of a, of, a, of a company runs well, and then what are the what are the elements that I need to understand about how your specific business? And that's why, you know, an outside expert like myself can work in many different industries, consulting companies, tech companies, manufacturing companies, 
um, you know, you name it. Like I've I've worked across a number of different industries, but the the elements of a business development team and how that works are very. Uh, there's a lot of universal principles that apply to all in in many different industries. Yeah, and I think, um, well, again, you know, I think you know you really have to pull apart the execution of it. Um, and you know, listen, if you can, yeah, I know this is kind of contrary. If there's some parts that you can automate to make it, um, so make your salesperson more effective, then that's that's really good because I mean oh, yeah. I learned early. Yeah, I mean, I learned early on um, that, you know, you just never want to be so um, tied to the success of your sales person or sales people, because if they leave or if you have to fire them, it's it's a, it's a problem sometimes. So uh, let me ask you uh, this other question, and that is when you mentioned, you know, the bearings company and some of the other things, when people are coming to you, at, what are they typically coming to you to do? Well, generally the the frustrations are from leadership, either the president, owner, you know, sales director, and usually what they say is, uh, you know, sales should be easier than it is. We're, you know, our business development, like it's taking too long. We're getting too many objections. Um, we're getting beat up for lower pricing constantly. Um, you know, so it's it's usually a some flavor of that. Um, sometimes, and and because that is all very similar, it's all very surface. So it's really up to me to ask them the questions to dive a little bit deeper. Because when somebody says sales cycles are getting longer, and you know, and there's too much competition, and they're being beat up for lower pricing, there's a number of reasons why that's happening. And so my job is to first figure out: is this a is this an onboarding problem? Do you hi, are you hiring people? Do you have some gaps in your hiring so that you're you're bringing into your organization at the very beginning people who don't have a strong money mindset, people who aren't wired to ask the tough questions to get past that initial your price is too high objection. And you know, so so it could be an onboarding thing. It could be that people just haven't had any training. It could be the compensation plan is rewarding the wrong elements, and so you're reinforcing behaviors that are not conducive to the ultimate objectives that you have. Right? It it could be that. It could be that the you know director or manager is not doesn't really have a finger on the pulse because their reporting structures aren't where they need to be. And so they're not getting information in a timely manner to find out there, you know, there's so many different reasons. And I think that's, you know, if I had a, a, a beef with, you know, my industry from a training perspective, there's a lot of companies and I used to work with one or early in my career that, you know, just kind of treated all sales issues, all business growth issues as the same. You know, um, our system will solve whatever problem you have. Just don't get creative. Just do our system. And that, I think, is a is a big mistake. 
Um, you, you know, as a coach, trainer, consultant, you really have to help your client understand what the real root of the issue is so that when you layer that training on top, you're, you know, you're addressing the right elements. And sometimes it's a multi-phased process. Um, I don't, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, so people are coming to you because they have a, a sales related problem. Their sales aren't going up or they're going through too many salespeople or you like, like you said, the sales cycles do going too long. Um, uh, is it, let me ask you a question. What percentage of the time have you found that it's really the owner's fault and not the people that he's hired's fault? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I can think of one particular scenario where, um, it wasn't the owner's fault, but it was a family-run business, and the owner's son was in charge of sales and should not have been. Uh, and so I had the difficult conversation with the owner to say, your son is in the wrong position. Um, really doesn't like people. Sales is a very much a people you know, part of the business, but he's really great at the technology side. He's he loves tinkering with the CRM and you know all of these things. Give him that, make him make that his baby, and put the sale. You know, give this other guy that you have on your team who's very loyal to your company and has shown all the right you know uh, uh, qualifications for being a, a sales leader. You know, move things around a little bit. And I think you're going to find things are going to work a lot smoother. Uh, you know, I, I can only point out things and then it's up to the people in charge to make the changes that they see fit. Um, but I would say generally it's not the owner that's the problem. It's that nobody has brought a straightforward conversation to the owner to really open their eyes about some of the blind spots that they may have because owners are oftentimes surrounded by a bunch of yes people who, you know, just feel like if they're, uh, you know, just going along, then that's a good thing. And I tell my business owners very early in our relationship before we even actually start engagements that, you know, there are going to be times when I might have to tell you something you don't want to hear. How do you want me to handle that? Mm -hmm. And 10 out of 10 times when I say that, they say, I don't want you to candy coat anything. If you see something that I need to see, I want you to bring that to my attention immediately. And that's one of my, one of the ways I know I'm working with the, the right client because if somebody says, I don't want to, I don't want to hear about it, <laughs> then, you know, why are you hiring me? Like that's, it's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, I'll go back to what I originally said and that is, um, you know, it's all about execution. So like I, I know a lot of business owners, you know, thousands and, um, and what I see is they, you, you can't just hire someone and just say, okay, go do the job. The first thing you need to do is, and you know, I'm not going to belabor this, but you know, do you have a position results document that shows them exactly what they're going to be doing and how they're measured? Right. You know, 
are you hiring the right type of people based on your culture? Do you know your culture? Do you know, uh, you know, the objective? Do you know what the, uh, the salesperson is going to be doing on or should be doing on a day-to-day basis and how, um, and what the ex and is the expectation, uh, doable? Is has somebody else done it before? Right. Yeah, yeah. Then there is, then there is the training. Do you provide great training? Is it ongoing training? You know, do you know what your people are doing and, and are they having accountability meetings with you? Right. Uh, that goes on. Uh, you know, uh, next, are you, are they happy? Are, are they, are you keeping them happy? Are they, um, are, I see this often are what you, what they are expected to make possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of times you want to bring in this ringer and I see this all the time. I found this great person. He's got 20 years of experiences industry and then the person comes the in running. <laughs> yeah, and they don't, you don't think they need any help and you put them out there and, you know, for whatever reason, it doesn't, doesn't go well. Yeah. And you, and you pay in that person a lot of money, right? I see that all of the time. And, you know, I used to have a friend who used to say is small companies don't get a level players. You get B level players and you coach them up. Yeah. Right. And you hopefully don't get a C level player. If you get a C level, maybe you can coach them up to a B. Okay. Or maybe you have to let them go. But I um, think, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but mm -hmm. um, I I agree with everything that you're saying. And that's uh, for many, many years in my business, my my focus was Mm -hmm. literally writing onboarding programs for new hires. Um, particularly in sales roles. And so we covered all those things. How do you teach the culture? How do you teach your corporate values? How do you, you know, from the very moment? And um, I think one of the things that was really interesting in really focusing on that as as a deliverable um, in, in such a worthwhile project for clients was that companies were frustrated, leaders were frustrated because they didn't know for a long time, is it, is it the that I hired the wrong person or is it that we didn't train them well? And so the only way to answer that question is to build a consistent training program that really addresses all of those questions and concerns and make sure that you're setting expectations for people and you're arming them with all of the things they need to know. Um, all the systems and tools they need to be able to use and all the kinds of activities they need to be able to execute in order to be effective in their role without any um, supervision. And so it really comes down to, you know, what do you need to know, do and use? You know, those are really the three areas. And so when I can break it down like that, now I can look and I can say, I can meet with the the finance department, the HR department, the operations team, and I can ask them, and this is part of the project, you know, what is it that frustrates you interacting with salespeople? What do salespeople need to know about how you do your job and what happens once they bring that order in? What happens, you know, in your world? And so it, you know, that's part of that training. And once you document it, and a lot of it I've done is, um, you know, video training, right? Because if, 
you know, I, I definitely believe in high touch and, you know, quality human interactions and you want to have your new hires meet one individually and with groups with actual people in the organization. But there's a lot of things, you know, I'm going to have a better comp if I'm the new hire and you're a, a manager in one of the other departments. And part of my onboarding program is to sit down with you for a half an hour. Uh, it's going to be a much higher quality half hour if I've already watched a preview video, as an example, of your thoughts about your department, or here's what salespeople need to know about us. That's a one-time conversation that you could record, and it's you know valuable for the next 100 salespeople that you, you hire. Yep. Then when I sit down with you, it's like, okay, great. I watched the video. Here's a couple of more in-depth questions I have. And then you might, you know, I have always encouraged my clients, let's let's throw a video camera on, record that conversation. It may be that they've asked such good questions. You want to then add that to the onboarding program. And so there's a lot of things that companies can do to syst systematize that program and make sure that they're not losing any sleep. That way, if the program is consistent and somebody doesn't make it, it's not your program. You can rest easy knowing you're going to make this person available to the marketplace, that they're not going to cut it in your organization because 10 other salespeople who'd went through that exact same program did great. And, and that gives you a lot of peace of mind and it makes sure that you're not holding on to people who aren't going to be successful in the long term. Yeah, and uh, two things to add. The first thing is, um, if you find that you are blaming your salespeople for uh, poor performance, um, I would tell you right now, you're blaming the, the wrong person. You need to blame yourself. You really do. It's not, you You hired that person. At Once you hire someone, it is your responsibility to help that person be successful. That's number one. Now, I'm not telling you that like, I'll, I'll tell you when I went from my second company to my third company, when I started my third company, my second company, I, I really did not like the people I was working with. Uh, a majority of the people I had hired were salespeople type and I'm a sales guy. So, um, so when I started my third company, uh, I said, I'm, I'm going to make sure. And by the way, the, Second company, I went through a lot of salespeople, right? And so the third company, I said, you know, I just can't have this anymore. I can't have the turnover. I want to I wanna hire good people. I, I need to do everything different this time around. And, um, and I'm, I'm in that third company, which was one of my favorite companies, you know, believe it or not, they both did really well, the second and third company. Uh, even though the process changed, I just happened to really like the people I worked with at the third company. Um, I, you know, I did exactly what I'm telling everybody. I had a position results document so that they knew exactly what they were responsible for. Right? They knew how to, they were going to be measured. Uh, I, we made sure that we understood our culture and we communicated that well in the interview process. You know, I'm, we we use personality assessments to understand if we were hiring the right type of motivated people who fit well into our culture. We had a, you know, uh, we read books on how to interview people and and you know what anchors and things to look for and how to follow up to make sure that they did what they said they did. You know, yeah. so uh, and then we did 
uh, we had a great training program that was ongoing and we were very supportive. And, you know, when somebody uh, failed uh, or did, wasn't doing well, we had a corrective action plan in place. Um, and at, at some point we made sure that we said to the person, listen, we don't, we don't think this is working out. I don't think you're happy. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think we're happy and maybe it's best for you to move on. So we had a, a process yeah. and, you know, that was, that was one of the companies that made the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. And, you know, that's where the execution came into play mm-hmm. where, you know, it's not the, the fun glamorous part of the business, but it's the really important part of it. Have you seen what I'm saying? Like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's a big differentiator, you know, in a, in a marketplace where, you know, the good top people that you want to hire where the A's or B's are, you know, have lots of opportunities at their fingertips uh, and you're trying to set yourself apart a good training program to set some that really establishes that you know how to set people up for success, that you're really looking for them to succeed, you're, you've put all these processes in place, I think is a great way to, uh, you know, to differentiate your opportunity from all the others. You know, I, if I had my way, more candidates would be out there asking companies in an interview, what are you going to do? You know, what do you have in place to make sure that I am successful? in your organization. I don't think enough candidates are ans- asking those questions. Um, I think a, I think A-level players ask those questions. And I think A-level players are only going to leave their existing company if they're getting a lot more money. Um, honestly, you know, I think that A-level players, even if a company maybe doesn't treat them that well, at least we're talking salespeople here, uh, if the money's really good, they're going to put up with it and stay well you know that's a different subject yeah, really that, but we could do yeah, a whole nother episode on yeah, that one yeah um, i don't i don't know it's even weird to talk about salespeople anymore because um it just seems that i mean we were going back let's go back to the original topic and you know versus um click here by now I, it feels like salespeople i i don't even know if there's there that many out there anymore i don't even know there are but but you know Sales and as a profession has changed a lot. You know, it changed. Uh, I mean, back in the in the nineties when I started in you know sales roles, it was very much a you know. Um, I mean, it's still a people business, right? You're still you're you're always you know, a computer is not buying your stuff. It's it's a person, right? Somebody somebody said we need this thing, and so. There's always going to be a, a there's a human element that's never going to go away. But how we interact with people is quite different today than it was back then, right? When I started selling, like the internet was brand new. <laughs> that's how old yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I can remember going on sales calls, having to turn off and use the payphone. That's you know, I mean, it was yep. like well, old school. I was there. I'm the same way. And yeah. you know, and in a post-pandemic world, you don't even have people working out of a central office. Everybody's kind of you know home office or remote or whatever. So the the ways of going about getting building relationships with people have changed. I don't think that sales will change to the to the level of it's not about relationships anymore. It's always going to be, you know, people doing business with people. And the same yeah. old 
you know, age old thing that we've always heard forever. People do business with people they like, people do business with people they know, like, and trust, be one of those people. Like, there's still a lot of truth to all of that. Um, which again is why we're not in a click here by now world, unless you've got yeah. something that is truly a commodity. Um, you know, I can buy, you know, mugs and pens click here by now, but I'm more likely to pay a little bit more to work with the person who run, who's part of a promotional products company who knows exactly what I need and exactly why this pen is not going to, you know, have the image that I want or whatever. Like there's a reason for that relationship and I'm going to trust that person and that's going to, that person's going to save me time. So I just feel like sales will always be a relationship business how we are relating with each other through technology. Like, um, you know, even in my email signatures, right? There's always going to be, you know, click to schedule a call with Merit. So you could say that that's not personal, but it sure saves me a lot of time to get to the conversation where we can yep. get more, more personal. Yeah, and I think that's where sales has had headed over the last thirty years. It's um, you're having more um, um, conversations versus prospecting. I, I I think that that's happening. I think you know a good company is generating leads for their salespeople. It's easy enough to do it now with the you know, with Google ads and, and SEO and, you know, all the, all the other mechanisms. I think, you know, you should be paying your people to really um, have conversations to close deals versus them, you know, like old school picking up the phone. I mean, I think that does happen, but, um, you know, it's very expensive to have somebody that you're paying that much money for doing that prospecting. You know, it's almost, you know, almost like a different type of person really. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, listen, we, we kind of talked a lot about, you know, uh, selling custom creative or complex. I, I believe like merit does. Um, I, I think that that's a key advantage and a strategic advantage that you have over your competition versus click here by now. And so, you know, I think we did a good job kind of, you know, making you think about that. I'd like to thank so very much Merit Khan from Select Sales Development for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Please also give us a five-star review if you like today's podcast or any of the other ones. It helps us get the word out. And if you're interested in looking for a line of credit, please visit our website at FS creditline.com. Again, that's FS is in financing solutions, creditline.com. And Merit, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? The best way is my website, which is my name, uh, M-E-R-I-T-K-A-H-N.com. And you'll see on that homepage, you can choose among the three types of stages I perform on. So if you click the corporate keynote stage, you'll see a lot more about uh, the the consulting and coaching and speaking work I do for businesses. Um, the select sales uh, site is S-E-L-L-E-C-T-S-A-L-E-S.com. So check out some of our training programs there. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. Yeah. So the summary of today is just uh, a reminder, something I said earlier, when you run a small business and again, anything under 20 million is still a small business. It's about, 
you know, selling customization. It's about higher price. It's not competing on a, uh, a, a product or service that is click, you know, you click on and that's it. Um, that that's for bigger companies to do. So, uh, I think today's conversation was really geared toward what, what could you do to make things, um, uh, more personal, make them, make it more personal. All right, everybody have a fantastic day.